Hey, Darren, have you heard about Trexpress Plus yet? Heard about it. We've we've done it. What it's amazing. About? Of course, I've heard about it. It's so cool. You're getting the whole Trexpress experience, but you're also getting a new podcast from us, the Inglorious Trexpress, Deck 78. This is true. It's it's like a it's like hanging uh, with us in the lounge on a starship. But also cool guests talking about cool subjects, Trek adjacent topics like right. Alien, Battle Beyond the Stars, Robocop, Logan's Run, The Black Hole, you name it. And, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, we'll be there. Who knows? There might be a little uh, one about The Godfather someday. Oh, that'd be fun. Maybe I want to do that. Maybe will be able to refuse that. <laughs> they won't indeed. So it's real easy to join. If you want to support uh, the podcast and become a member of Trexpress Plus to get all the the great Trexpress Plus goodness, you want to go to <laughs> TrexpressPlus.com, TrexpressPlus.com, and take word, off one for savings. Out. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 uh, it, it, it you, you can sign up. It's very easy, and then from there on out, you can enjoy the full experience and you can be find your way chosen. to deck seventy eight, the hidden deck of the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> And the Inglorious Trexperts, where we hang out. Well, yeah. It's all good. Join us. TheTrexpertsPlus.com Hey, this is Mark A. Altman of Inglorious Trexperts and the 430 Movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78. Available now by subscribing at TrexpertsPlus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. And on this episode, don't miss our in-depth discussion with showrunner director Kenneth Johnson about the 40th anniversary of V, The Incredible Hulk, Six Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman, and of course, Bigfoot. Here's a sneak peek. But it was, Brennan was in a hurry. And um, normally to do a four-hour miniseries with a cast of almost 70 people, um, you'd have, what, four or five months just to prep Right. You know, the whole thing, just to build the stuff you needed and all of that. And um, uh, and four or five months. And from the weekend when Brandon read my full first draft script and said, go, until the day I said action was two and a half weeks. Oh, my God. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, they, wow. People, yeah, most people like you, most people in the industry go, no, you didn't. That's bullshit. You I know. Casting, yeah. prep, locations. I mean, it's, and, yeah. and it, it, it just people is forget. one thing, but that's crazy. That's extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was insane. And, uh, and how did it, how did it happen? Well, it happened because Brandon really needed it for February or thought he did. And, uh, uh, and he knew that I could deliver and deliver fast as I had in the past. But I said, geez, guys, you know, uh, so I said, okay, look, I'll do the best. We, we'll do the best we can. And, uh, and we started shooting literally two and a half weeks after he said go. Um, and I know I obviously we had stuff that we were beginning to line up. I had always already corralled almost all of my uh, crew from the Incredible Hulk at Universal to bring them over to be with me at, uh, uh, at Warner's. I brought along Chuck Davis, who had been my production designer on Prometheus and on, on the whole Incredible Hulk series and Bionic Woman uh, before that. Uh, Chuck, who always would tell me, is this the best we can do? You know, and uh, um, a brilliant guy. And uh, I, I, <laughs> so that's a whole other story. But um, 
so I had I had a team that had been working together for you know for over five years uh, that really spoke the same language and a brilliant cinematographer in John McPherson uh, and my composer Joe Harnell who uh, and I knew exactly where I wanted to go with the music and all. Uh, so I was had begun to line things up, but it wasn't until Brandon said go that I could say, okay, move everybody in here. Let's start the casting. Let's start the location scouting. And uh, and uh, and this was in a day where there were no cell phones; to, they could show you pictures. The you know they'd have to go take the pictures and bring them back, or they'd have to drag you out to the location. So we're doing all of that and, and casting in the afternoons. Uh, and, and in many cases, I, I hired the first actor that they brought me because they happened to hit the ball exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need anymore. They tell everybody else they can go home. So subscribe today at TrexFirstPlus.com and don't miss a single episode of Deck 78. Fire the Rockets. Hello, Trek fans and uh, all the ships <laughs> at sea. We got great news for you. It's Miller time. What? 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 It's Miller time. You mean we're, day- we're getting a sponsor? No, oh. I wish. How does that song go, the Miller time? Jingle. When it's time to relax, one beer stands clear year after year. Yeah, but it should be one Trexpert. One Trexpert stands clear. Well, then you got to give me time to write the lyrics. Then, oh, you okay. Just bring it on me. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Because well, why are we singing this dopey song? But it is Miller time because of Ashley Edward Miller. Ashley Edward Miller is the Miller's joining tale. the Inglorious Live 2023 tour. That's the live tour that Darren and I have. Uh, been on at uh, we're doing a bunch of conventions this year a bunch of live uh, events and uh, we're thrilled to say that Ashley Edward Miller will be joining us on our next stop in Richmond Virginia on March 24th through the 26th that's March 24th through the 26th in Richmond Virginia uh, at Galaxy Con and, and and it won't just be Darren and me and Ashley um, if you failed the city, Stephen Amell will be there. The great uh, Green Arrow, David Tennant. Who? David Tennant. Who? Yeah, David Tennant. Who? Um, <laughs> Catherine Tate will be uh, his companion on the trip. And uh, the great uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, Private Pyle, will be there with his uh, bald head and uh, looking very intimidating. And uh, so that's exciting. Of course, and the great. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the great Bill Shatner is going to be there. The great Bill Shatner is going to be there. And the great John Cleese. Yes. Isn't that amazing? That's exciting. Yeah. As long Very as he d- doesn't do that scene from A Fish Called Wanda where he goes out the window with the. Oh, I hope plant. not. <laughs> <laughs> I love Fish Called Wanda. I do Apparently, too. That movie is not as much in the zeitgeist anymore as. Archie Leach. Archie Leach, named after the great Cary Grant. Cary Grant. Yeah, I love that movie, but I guess because of the, it's the st- Kevin Klein is this st- not Kevin Klein, uh, uh, yeah, is the stuttering. Kevin Klein. No, but I'm saying that the stuttering apparently is oh, now made yes, that movie. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, apparently, that's a not a yeah. thing that Michael people... Michael Palin and his stuttering character. I, I just think it's a very funny movie. So there it's you go. great. Uh, John Frakes, our good friend John yeah. Frakes will be there. Fantastic. Gates is going to be there. I'm sure he's going to have a lot to talk about after the premiere of uh, Star Trek Picard. Indeed. Um, Terry Farrell, who we love, is going to be that. Hopefully, we'll be monitoring. And if you missed our, our Terry Farrell panel at uh, Comic Con, I mean, at uh, Galaxy yeah, Con Columbus, Columbus. Uh, which was not recorded through no fault of our own, uh, then you really want to be there uh, for our encore uh, QA with Terry because we're going to try to do it exactly the same. We're going to ask the exact same <laughs> questions word for be word, like a complete encore presentation. <laughs> Uh, Katie Katie Sackhoff's going to be there. Oh, that's going to be fun. She's only, awesome. Only the birds, right? Wait, only the what? only the 
What did they say in Galactica? Only the wind. Only the... <laughs> I don't know. What are they? I have it's, no idea what you're talking about. This is the problem. The show is so old now. So it's, say we all. No, they of course so say we all. But, you know, nothing but the nothing but the wind. Nothing but the... I don't know. Whatever. Wow. I'm completely missing this reference. I'm sorry. Uh, Carrie Jones is going to be there, who played my second favorite Wookiee. Uh, in uh, second uh, favorite Wookiee. I was going to say in the Ballad of Boba Fett. But that's what? Itchy? What called... <laughs> no, no, no. He played Black Chrysanthemum. Oh, okay. Yeah, awesome. I, I called the Ballad of Boba Fett. It's not the Ballad of Boba Fett. What was it called? Although that was it's the Book, book of, of Boba Fett, but I think the Boba Ballad Fett. of Boba Fett would have been better. Yeah, that's Probably true. Would have been shorter. That's true. Then there's a bunch of uh, Power Rangers are going to be there. I don't know who they are. And uh, uh, Steve Whitmere, uh, the Kermit the yeah. Frog. Um, uh, Dave Foley is going to be there. Ross Marquand is going to be from Walking Dead, and he also uh, replaced Hugo Weaving, if you remember, in uh, the Avengers. Uh, and of course, of course, we have uh, uh, non. Oh, well, I was going to say super guests, super guests. super guests, Superman. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be great. Jeff E, Sarah Douglas, Jack O'Leary, and my favorite, Mario Hemingway from Manhattan. And, and uh, is Mark Pillow going to be there too? He is nuclear man. Nuclear He's going to be explosive. <laughs> Barry, Barry Boswick's going to be back. Okay, nice. well, listen, this is a long promo. This is a long promo. You know, normally promos are supposed to be like 30 seconds, but we just couldn't help ourselves. We're excited. Don't blame we're, us. We're excited. The Inglorious Live Tour has been a hit, and it's going to continue at Richmond, Virginia. So we hope we'll see you there at the end of March. And uh, if uh, that's not convenient for you, we will be heading to Raleigh, Virginia, Austin, Texas, and of course, San Diego Comic-Con later this year. So uh, hopefully we'll see at one or more. I think it's Raleigh, North Carolina. What'd I say? Raleigh, Virginia. Oh, yeah, it's, it's North Carolina. What are you talking about? It's North Carolina. <laughs> Jeez, man. It's not even It's not even late. I don't have an excuse for it. There's no excuse. So if you want more information on these and many other fine shows, go to galaxycon.com, galaxycon.com, and uh, we hope to see you there. Admiral on the bridge. And captain on the bridge. You will probably find this inspection boring for the likes of you two. Boring? Well, we won't be blowing things up. Taking or engaging in fire, crash landing expectedly or unexpectedly. Those were the days. There is something coming. Battle stations. Some kind of attack. And Starfleet could be the target. There's a darkness. All consuming darkness. And it is getting stronger. John Luke, trust no one. Jean Luc Picard. We will have vengeance. You and I have traveled to the far reaches of space. But something's different now. This is the end, my friend. Jordy. Such pathetic old warriors. I too was once irrational, violent. 
anybody you know still the person you knew. This is life or death. It's always life or death. John Luke, where has it not been? With each ticking moment, I will take another piece of you. Battle stations! Human nature, pal. We fight or we die. I need you. All of you. We're with you. Always. Engage. Are you enjoying this? Of course not. Are you? To the Trexperts Briefing Room, where industry professionals curate audio commentaries with the creators, creatives, and diehard fans of the Star Trek franchise. My name is Peter Holmstrom. I'm a screenwriter and author in Los Angeles, and just submitted a new Star Trek short story to Star Trek Explorer magazine, coming out soon. And I'm Lisa Klink. I was a writer for Star Trek Voyager and Deep Space Nine, and I have several short stories in the collection of uh, Star Trek Explorer stories uh, that came out recently. For the last five or six years, the Star Trek franchise has been trying to tell us that what's old is new again. Whether it's bringing back Spock, Pike, having comedy series set just after Star Trek Nemesis, or bringing back Janeway in a hologram and then in uh, physical form in Star Trek Prodigy, it's trying to hit that nostalgia note for people like myself and anyone who grew up on Star Trek. For some people, it's worked really well. For other people, it's been kind of ho-hum. But uh, with Star Trek Picard Season 3, they are attempting to pivot their position and make sure that everyone will love this show. And we are here today to talk about the very first episode, and I'll give a bit of a spoiler alert, they succeeded. <laughs> Joining us here today is a returning guest to the show, uh, one of our favorite guests, I'd say, um, author of uh, Phasers on Stun, uh, Ryan Britt is back in the briefing room. Thanks for being here, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Um, Ryan, I mean, you've been talking about Picard now for months and now here we are on the premiere day. Like what's, uh, what, what, what are you feeling right now? I, I feel really excited, not just for, um, you know, fans of the nineties shows, but also as you were saying, maybe people that have kind of been away for a while, Yeah. you know, like whether they're kind of casual fans. Um, so I'm just excited. I'm also excited to, for people to see it because there are some controversial things, in this season of Picard, (laughs) you know what I mean? There are some big swings and some risks that it takes. Um, Yeah. And I've been covering Picard since the beginning, um, since 2019, like, and I'm friendly with Michael Chabon and Terry Metalis. And I, you know, I, I like season one of Star Trek Picard. So this is really interesting to see it go here, but also, you know, um, being somebody who was born in 1981, you know, this season has a lot of special significance, I think. 
I think it does. And Lisa, I mean, for you, you worked on on Star Trek and in, in its in its heyday, I guess you could say. Um, you know, how, how yeah. are you feeling right now? I thought it was terrific. Um, I really like bringing in all the different universes. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Next Generation universe and, and Seven from the Voyager universe, uh, and uh, kind of bringing in the All Star team, if you want. <laughs> bringing bringing back the All Star cast, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, guys. Well, we're just going to dive right on into this here. Uh, we are watching Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 1. Um, at the time of, of this recording, uh, it hasn't come out yet, but by the time we're going to release it, it will be out for your viewing pleasure on Paramount+. Plus. Um, and we're going to dive right on into it here in 3, 2, 1, engage. All right, and here we're seeing the uh, Star Trek... Uh, I don't know logo. That's not the right word. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, the <laughs> new the new intro. Yeah, well, they it has the and it, you get to see the new ship, the Titan, before we see it in the episode. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, I didn't I didn't notice that. There's an Easter egg in other ones of those later in the season. Oh yeah, that's fun. Yeah. So Ryan, you said you've seen this episode several times, right? I have. So yeah, like the first thing in the 25th century, obviously a reference to the Wrath of Khans in the 23rd yeah. century. Um. Yeah, this episode starts off with an oldie, which all three seasons of Picard have done. Blue Skies in season one and Time is on my side in season two. So, Right, of course. Um, yeah, I've seen this like, I don't know, this I've seen this episode a lot. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's great. And you've done interviews with um, the creator and the uh, showrunner and the uh, actors as well, right? Yeah, I've done a couple interviews. I mean, everybody did all their big junket interviews, um, you know, in the press but yeah i talked to patrick stewart and terry metallis way back in the fall of last year and gates mcfadden and jonathan frakes um mm-hmm. so yeah they're um yeah they're all very pumped about this particularly gate gates and, and jonathan i have to say uh, yeah. i mean they all are excited i mean gates especially should be I mean, she gets so there's a lot of uh easter eggs in this scene that people should know there's like beverly crusher's uh beads from the big goodbye there's her reference to loving drama those are her plants from cause and effect there's like a million mm-hmm. easter eggs in this scene um <laughs> captain picard's log from the best of both worlds but there's also a random um <laughs> there's a random award to a planet and i can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but it is a planet that is only mentioned in dialogue of the next generation as a classified mission oh it's right there um <laughs> away team that only that only uh, the when picard was duplicated in that um allegiance oh, yeah. episode and then his clone like uh, tried to date beverly right um, when yeah anyway so anyway i'll let you guys talk for a while no, i can no, just do no. easter eggs the whole time please we no uh, no we love the easter eggs love the easter eggs it's um I really like here they're they're just hitting the ground running with a mission and you know we're seeing Beverly with a nice little phaser rifle. Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong here, but what we're about to see in a few minutes is is a phaser rifle running out of juice essentially. And I'm trying to remember if like if we've ever actually seen that happen. We've heard about it. I know we've heard about I don't it. No. I'm like, I don't I think I've ever it. seen that in an actual phaser fight. Yeah. I, I love how I, I love how noisy the phasers are in contemporary Star Trek. Mm. Like having a voice command being like out of, you know, <laughs> out of juice. Like, yeah. so the, the, the assailants, I have to say, I don't know if either of you guys like 12 Monkeys, which is Terry Metallis' yes. sci-fi show. So these assailants show. are very 12 Monkeys-ish. Like the um, the Witness, the Mask yeah. is very similar. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of 12 Monkeys references, including some of the cast. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> in Picard Season 3. 
I was going to ask for both of you, like, do we think these aliens here, are they uh, synthetic? Are they uh, life forms? Like, they have a very robotic kind of sound to them, don't they? Oh, but we'd find out what they are we do? in later okay. episodes. I guess no spoilers. We cannot <laughs> say. If, yeah. if I even, yeah, no, I will not say. Well, it's certainly nice to see Beverly in a different role here, you know, not not taking care of other people in, in uh, the medical bay, but, yeah. you know, in battle. Yeah. Uh, Gates told me that she just felt like that had the streaming model existed for next gen um, back in the day that they would have never gone off the air uh, yeah. because having to yeah. cram all this kind of stuff into the movies was just not possible. Um, yeah. You know, this is what she should have been doing in an insurrection. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, we, we talk about, and many people have talked about this, but like the movies do kind of just become the Picard and Data show at some point. And it's it's a real shame because you lose a lot of these lovely uh, character arcs. And especially, I think, Beverly Crusher. I mean, it's like, yeah. You know, in, in Insurrection, like it's, I, can't, I, I don't even remember what the hell she did. I know she was there, but, um, I think but so. uh, didn't she have certainly a, didn't has have a cooler coat role. here, I think. She does. <laughs> yes. Uh, very like Star Trek 2 coat. Yeah. There's a bit of a MacGuffin for the for the season. Who's in the who's in the other side of the door there? Mm-hmm. Who is that? Which I, yeah, which I like that too. I was just like, you know, it's it's a nice little mystery. Yeah. Well, I think that Terry Metalis's writing actually is really good at um, creating little mini mystery boxes within episodes, but then playing them out over season line arcs. Um, I think he does it really well in Twelve Monkeys, and I think that you see it. I keep telling people that this season isn't what people think it's going to be. And even if you get through the first three episodes, it still isn't what you think it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, structurally, it feels more like a movie. And I love that. Like kind of a novel like movie. And I think like episode three is kind of just your end of act one. And then you're, mm-hmm. you're going yep. from there. Yeah. I also like how simple, I mean, this is, a, they haven't done this on any of the shows ever to have this really simple title card closer yeah. to more contemporary tv shows that just has like one little like the mandalorian or something like that yeah. even this the next generation the old font is back um but yeah i think we might have frozen here for a minute oh um i'm still going over here Are you... i can hear you lisa oh. no i, I mean we... the um the playback oh. of, of the, the show i think it's okay still frozen for you yeah it's jerky on okay. my end. Well, oh, well. Don't worry about um, it. Okay. If it keeps going, I, what did we do last time? I think I refreshed the screen. Did that help? Maybe. I think that helped. Let's just see if it comes back into into gear here. This show has a lot of... Uh, I don't want to say it... it uh, you know, it, it brings back a lot of the older characters, but it also touches base with a couple of other uh, characters from previous seasons of Picard um here we have yeah Laris Orla Brady who plays Laris uh in this season um yeah I don't know Uh, I think she's great um but you know for those who didn't watch season two her and Picard basically decided to become a couple at the end of season two yeah (laughs) and and we're meant to believe kind of like about a year has passed or so okay um since then um so that's sort of relevant um but yeah if you go into the comics she has a real rich backstory with um everything that happened in between nemesis and card season one yeah which comics are really good i, I definitely would oh. recommend those for anyone who yeah wants to check them out. those ones written by mike uh, johnson and kirsten Beyer are really excellent yeah um, 
of course but structurally this feels very much like a classic novel it's like you know you got the the male you know your lead character who's like i'm not sure i should leave but then you have the the you know domestic home life that's you know saying like it's okay you should go we know you're not happy here yeah <laughs> it just feels like i don't know the uh, something you know a classic adventure story or whatever from- or like the opposite of the incredibles Yes, he's doing it, but he's telling her he's doing it. (laughs) It's kind of nice to have her saying you should go rather than, oh, no, don't go. It'll be so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's a former secret agent, basically, you know, so she's in a way a bigger badass than him, (laughs) you know. Um, And I did I did like in season two, I think it was kind of the discussion of Romulan romance how it's yeah they'll, they'll cherish the times they have together but they're not gonna like cry themselves you know for the rest of their lives once it's over hmm. um, I, which i thought that was kind of a nice philosophy yeah i think that picard's glasses are a little bit of a reference to kirk's glasses and the sure rack. yeah i sure. think I, I i'm not sure if that's intentional but i imagine it is <laughs> Yeah. So many Wrath of Khan yeah. uh, references. Do, do we uh, think he's also allergic to uh, what Red Knox Five? Yeah. Red Knox Five, yes. <laughs> and he, is he Star Trek captains are all allergic to Red Knox Five. <laughs> well, there was some Romulan ale on Beverly's uh, desk there on the uh, medical ship earlier. So. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. So this uh, this is a very complicated. There's like a complicated um, Easter egg here. Um, the screen just changed for me, Peter. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, uh, okay, I that's fine. Expanded um, the screen. It's, it's there's a screen later when he decodes this that has like the star date of when he got this communicator badge, mm. which I was really interested in because it was like it can't be his first one because he got assimilated by the Borg, um, and Data just left his clothes there. Um, right. So <laughs> it's got to be like his third or fourth um, one. But there's like a Mark II thing in in there, and there's an interesting like when he as we see when he meets Riker later, there's a big discussion about how they off screen created their own kind of encryption for their badges, which I thought was kind of cool that like the enterprise crew was just kind of like doing this cool, like a team shit, like on the (laughs) side, (laughs) like, Hey, we got special codes. Like even our badges are so good. We made our own encryption for them. I thought that was kind of, I thought that was kind of a clever. um, And and it's fun to, um, it, it brings it into the story. But I think it also is a bit of a reference to like how communicators were actively looked different in the original series, didn't they? It was like each ship had their own kind of different design for their. I guess they weren't communicators at that point. The insignia, like the, yeah. The insignia was all yeah. very different. I also wonder about all the things in Picard's house at this point, like where, like the the painting and like the sculpture from the chase, like all that stuff was in the saucer section of the enterprise yeah. d right Fair. and like yeah. did he just yeah. send people back to get all that stuff <laughs> well i guess like, it ain't going anywhere so. <laughs> i'd really like that painting back you know in, yeah, in generations right. he, he just takes the in generations he just takes the um the family photo album yeah but now it's like yo, know, he's got all of his stuff um yeah. maybe he just replicated new ones Ooh, it's fair. fair Ooh, <laughs> that's interesting i love that I'm going to replicate my special Ryskian flute. Yes. (laughs) That's hilarious. I love that theory, Lisa. Again, I just love this. It's very, it's very straightforward. It's like you get a call for help from an old friend and you're on an adventure. I I, I love that. It's just, it it feels very, um, feels very classical, very classic Trek, you know? uh, Yeah. 
I think the pacing, I actually like how slowly this episode is paced. I know that a lot happens in it, but the pacing is actually really patient and confident. And I think that that is something that I had wished for season one of Picard, which has like, it has like a lot of action sort of juxtaposed in strange ways in its premiere episode. Yeah. And I think this is actually balanced much more organically. uh, And it's setting up a character arc for Picard here, which I, I, that was kind of a problem I had with season one a bit was that like, you didn't quite give him enough flaws at that point. Hmm. You know, it was kind of like, he's kind of just great. He's just, you know, he's like the Beatles or something. Whereas here (laughs) they kind of, they kind of chip away a bit more at his, at his status and at his character as he is right now, which I think is great because then it creates like places to go throughout the season. Yeah. Lisa, this must've been such a challenge when you were writing for Star Trek in the nineties, because it's always like the, that like stuff happens to the characters, Mm -hmm. but they can't change that much. Right. Cause they have to, yeah, it was a challenge. I mean, we got to do it a little bit, uh, like with, you know, Tom and Bolana's relationship. I mean, that actually progressed. And I think that particularly Paris's character changed a lot over the season sure. or, or over the over the entire show, because he started off as a fairly flawed character, uh, you know, in a penal colony and, you know, ends up being, you know, much more heroic by the end of it. Uh, so I think that we we did it in subtle ways. Uh, but, yeah, you you essentially had to hit the reset button at the end of every episode. Yeah, I just that's what I think that what kind of what Peter was saying here is that there's like a novel kind of approach to this, like a like where it, and I I told Gates and Patrick Stewart last week that I felt like almost like a stage play in certain times, which is mm. weird because it doesn't look like that at all, but just like the way the dialogue is written, you know. Yeah. And um, but yeah, like you can't like these characters. I feel like like you were saying, Peter, with season one, it's kind of like here's a bunch of stuff that happened to Picard. Whereas kind of, which is kind of like the shows, right? Like here's a bunch of stuff that happens to the crew, you know, like mm-hmm. they have to deal. It's yeah. not like them doing, making decisions about their own lives, you right. know, yeah. right, right. And that's just the nature of the format, right? Like that's not anybody's fault, you know? Yeah. Um, but it is, it does feel like with here, they're kind of like, they're almost kind of honoring that what they were said they were going to do in season one, which, you know, through no fault of anybody specifically, maybe mm-hmm. didn't quite feel like it happened, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, it's, uh... having having watched the first six episodes of, of season three, I mean, I think that they, it's very strong on characters. Uh, I think all the way through, and and forcing them to make difficult decisions, uh, which which I love. All right, now I, I want us I want us to vote here, or or at least express our thoughts. Like, do we think in this period they've just said, you know what, synthol, it was a dumb idea, guys. We're just going to go for alcohol. <laughs> well, it's back. I... But they're on, good... they're on Earth. It's all. I think it's always been like this. First of all, it's Guinan's bar, and so she can do yes. whatever she wants, right? She can absolutely. And second of all, I always thought the synthol thing was supposed to be aboard the ships. It's okay. I can. This is like this is like on a you know. But I hear you. It does seem a little fast and loose. I mean, I don't think that there's prohibition on Earth, right? I don't think I it's ever imagine. been firmly established. I know in like early TNG, they're like, yeah, alcohol is illegal like nobody drinks oh yeah anymore. really <laughs> oh but, wow like, okay but that like, sounds uh, wow it's like mormons they also were like we don't <laughs> they, they also said like we don't kill animals anymore stuff like that which you know right. obviously deep space nine kind of retcons a bit but like um yeah you know i think gene roddenberry at that point was exercising his own like i'm an alcoholic but i really wish i wasn't type of you know <laughs> yeah. mental processes whereas here i'm just like well i could buy your 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 your, your assessment there it's like starships it's all synthol and... we should tell people that Riker is in this season a lot and yeah like mm-hmm. he's in i think i believe he's in all 10 episodes i know he's definitely in the first six and he's in it a lot yeah. um something that was interesting when i talked to frakes last fall was that he was kind of kind of taken aback when terry metallis was like how 
how I want Riker to be in the he's like, well, I've been back for a while. He's like, no, 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 you're going to be in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I love how much this is Riker's. Oh, there's a funny Rigel 7 joke here. Um, <laughs> Rigel 6 and Rigel 7, which is, of course, right. the first planet from the cage that Pike fought that gross monster right. on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny that they have like a little debate about which planet they can't remember, which planet. Yeah. Yeah. The banter love, is great. I, I mean, love that yeah. shit. Yeah. City, this is City Alpha 5, you know, like, um, (laughs) like, which one is it? Um, I have looked up this whiskey they're drinking and I cannot find if it's real or not. I don't know. I love that you looked it up. I I appreciate it. No, it has some like contemporary looking label, Lisa. I'm curious about these things because sometimes there's just like straight up like contemporary alcohol in these shows, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, um, so yeah, this is interesting because Riker again is referencing something that didn't we didn't see in the best of both worlds, which is that the Enterprise crew f- created this new sort of uh, protocol to fix their uh, to fix this computer virus that the Borg put on the the ship while Picard was Lacutus, mm-hmm. um, and that Beverly is referencing uh, the number of digits that they need to uh, add to the coordinates. So it's like this funny little thing that, that we couldn't have known that make but makes it feel like. You're like, wait, did I see that in an episode? And the answer is you didn't. But it's yeah. just like a cool thing that they were doing because they're cool. And even when they were <laughs> not on screen, they were doing cool things. And I, I just think that that's like a really fun as a, it tickles the kid in me to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, the, of does. course they did that. Yeah. And it plays yeah, to the, the story. impression that really they've been that. alive this whole time. They haven't just been like sitting in stasis somewhere. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, this is also just kind of what the show was set up to do in the first episode of TNG, which is like the relationship between these two guys. And it kind of becomes bifurcated over the course of the show where it's, you know, Riker will do his thing and Picard will do his thing. But we always wanted this sort of like uh, brotherly, you know, element to the thing, which I, I just really appreciate. Well, and, and their relationships with each other. So that's their, this plan, this crime planet is called Metallus. Metallus. Prime, <laughs> yeah, <reference laughs> to a showrunner. This is not free cloud. I will say like people, I think that, that people might, a casual viewer might think this is the same kind of crime planet that mm. seven um, was on in um, season one, but it's not, it's, it, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I actually love that Michelle Hurd has carried through from season one as Rafi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in the backstory, she, she was serving with Picard during the Romulan uh, evacuation. She has, you know, substance abuse problem. Um, but yeah, I, I actually really love the way this all plays out. This is like the other story that's going on this season. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I also love too how like the, the the way they're playing this is, you know, we're in tight. Um, there's a lot going on within the frame but our imagination, it fills out the entire world. And I think that's just a great way for TV. They did it a lot in TNG. You know, it feels very much like something. Um, it feels very much like a lived-in world, which I really yeah. appreciate. Yeah, so I th- what I like about this scene, and I don't think it's a spoiler, is that, is that um, you know, as if, you've, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen this episode. Um, but that I love that we get this sort of, I don't know. Were you guys? Did you guys think in, when you first watched this that like, oh, Rafi has really fallen off the wagon again, or did you think? I thought she fell off the wagon. Yeah, yeah. I thought she yeah. kind of did. <laughs> yeah, that's something I like about this scene too. Is that is that so? Like when this conversation happens and you watch it, have knowing that she hasn't, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's actually it reads differently and it's really mm-hmm. cool um, because it's like, 
remember talking to Michelle Hurd back in 2020 about the creation of this character, which was kind of a collaboration between her and, and Michael Shabone um, in season one, and her just saying that, like, um, they really wanted to be able to have a, a strong character in this world that wasn't perfect. Right. And that that right. was a really important to be like, it is like these, it's okay to be a person who makes mistakes or has struggles with, you know, the things that she struggles with, but not be, but still be a hero, basically. You know what I mean? That Rafi yeah. is still like a Starfleet hero. Um, I think it's cool. Uh, but I, I think this is like a, uh, as you know, Lisa, as the season goes on, like her mission is so much bigger than we think. Yeah. And connected to so many more characters than we're aware of. So it's actually... Yeah. What you said, Peter, it, this feels like um, this is like some Lord of the Rings stuff to me, where she's just yeah. like um, in a tavern somewhere and getting some. But it's like the but the world that she's touching against is so much bigger. Um, yeah. There's so much more yeah. going on um, mm-hmm. than than we could possibly know. Yeah. Um, and and that she has more history than we've seen. You know that we that we know that she has a whole life that you know we only have hints about. Yeah. But yeah. This guy's supposed to be an Orion, right? I believe uh, he's an Orion. I think he is, yeah. yeah. So it's it's just fun to see that little bit. I just I thought the 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 body paint here was really great. And uh Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes like the Orions yeah, I don't know. But like uh you know, this this looks uh fantastic makeup design here. Yeah, I think we see most of the classic alien species this season. Which is something uh, that I think early on they were a little hesitant to do. Um, really? Yeah, I mean, in like see, discovery and things like that. I mean, they 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 really wanted to kind of push out and um, explore new things, but or at least do read. I don't know. I you know, but like it's uh, it's just fun to see these little callbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the part that I love. Um, I haven't asked why they decided to do this. Give her an old style communicator, <laughs> but it, it looks like an enterprise era um, communicator. But I like the idea that she would have like an antique um, as like a, cause she's undercover. So no one would sort of, it's like, Oh, what's this piece of junk you've got here? Like having yeah. kind of like having a burner phone, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. the Star Trek equivalent of a burner phone or something. It's, it's like how, uh, you know, in Independence Day, they're using Morse code to communicate. It's yeah. Like, nobody, well, nobody's going to pay attention well, to these. Well, you know, I talked to Terry and he said that he was, you know, one of his touchstones is Ron Moore's Battlestar. And, and there is a touch of that in this season. You know, the idea that, you know, in that show, they use all the kind of reverse engineered tech, you know. And then, of course, here we go into this uh, uh, full on Star Trek 3. I just love uh, it. I love it Motion so picture. <laughs> I was just texting my friend as I was watching this for the first time. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a star base. It looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the Doc Master, um, when they talk to, there's a voiceover that welcomes them to the Titan is Terry Metalis. Um, it's his oh, most yeah. cameo in the show. I should <laughs> say that were you guys confused about the about the Titan, about how it connects to the previous Titan? A little and... bit. A little bit, to be honest. I have some answers. <laughs> please, please enlighten. Yeah, so it's so the so the way it works is that Riker stopped uh, commanding the Titan, the previous Titan that we saw in Lower Decks, um, like a year before Picard season one, um, and then this Titan was built on top of that Titan's frame. But then they hmm. it changed so radically in the process that they decided to just kind of call it a new class of ship. So it has like the bo- the, the 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 idea is that it has the bones of the old Titan that Riker would have had um, for a long time. Gotcha. Uh, which is why there's all these references to 
to it being his previous ship, even though it doesn't look anything like it. <laughs> um, so it is a brand new ship that's also old. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm writing something about the Titan um, for, for Friday after the show comes out. That's like deep dive. I enjoyed um, how they, they just announced, I don't know, a couple of days ago that like the Titan's history and how it relates to uh, Savick. And I thought that was fun. I thought that was a nice little nice little nod yeah that there's a 23rd century titan that precedes all these um and it was kind of like the flagship of the of the federation at that at that yeah time. after the excelsior um, yeah 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 and uh, savik was in command of that there is a savik easter egg in episode two of picard uh yeah. part of season three oh, I, yeah I guess okay so that little whistle is the same whistle from star trek six um yep. from when the yeah it's just pretty amazing how great is jerry so, ryan Oh, she's yeah. So the history of Seven here is she gets back from Voyager. Correct me if I'm wrong, but she gets back from Voyager. She kind of isn't sure what to do with her life. She ends up falling in with the Rangers, which are kind of like outer rim, you know, peacekeeper type people who Lord are of the you know, a little, little on the edge. Um, and then Picard and Janeway are still like, you know, you should think about Starfleet. It's great. You're home. So after Picard season two, she kind of decides to go in for Starfleet. Is that kind of the, the timeline? I think that the way that it shakes out is, a, is yeah, pretty much that. But <laughs> there's a line in season one about, or in season two about how she actually wasn't allowed to join Starfleet at first because of the Borg thing. Interesting. Uh. And so this seems that what this, the story seems to be now is that after she was given temporary command of the Stargazer at the end of season two of Picard, that she got into an accelerated Starfleet program uh, that basically is like a year and a half later. Now she's she kind of got on the job training, right? Like, like yeah. the idea that seven of course would be qualified after all of her years on Voyager to just be given this, rank. but she, I don't think she went back to the Academy or anything. Right. right, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So play a fun little, I, don't, I guess I shouldn't say fun, but they, they do a little fun story arc for her that the captain here is like, won't let her use the name seven. Like she has to use her yeah. human name. And there is a I, reason I that for that. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, I felt was kind of a nice allegory to uh, some, you know, current day uh, politics. Yeah. Yeah, and then her relationship with Jordy's daughter. I, I forget her first name. Uh, the one we're looking at right now. Right. This this is Sydney LaForge, Sydney, which, which actually comes from all good things. Um, in that we were told that Jordy has daughters and one of them is named Sydney. Hmm. Oh, and in good. all good things, Picard can't remember her name. And he <laughs> can't remember her name here either. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and also, it's just a, I think a callback just to generations as well. It's you know Kirk seeing Sulu's daughter on the uh, on the uh, Enterprise B and being mm. like you know oh right families <laughs> <laughs> when did when did people have time for that and yes nepotism is still alive and well <laughs> of course yeah <laughs> well you get the sense that that Sydney actually kind of is later in the season didn't do what Jordy wanted and actually kind right. of had to make her, make her own way. Um, like particularly as the season goes on, she's actually becomes a much bigger character. A Ashley Sh mm -hmm. Sharp Chestnut, or Ashley Chestnut Sharp is the actress's name. Oh. I got to talk to her a couple weeks ago. She's really cool. Um, she's yeah. great in the season. So yeah, far. I think she's really yeah. great. She's kind of a breakout character. You wouldn't really know it from this first episode, but 
she she becomes much bigger even past the ones you've seen peter yeah. um i love this part uh where where picard gets it wrong about going to like warp 9.9 or whatever like he, try, <laughs> he like tries to like mansplain right. of nine here and then like and then and then and then, he, and then he tries to like compliment her and and what does will what does will say here like like excellent recovery or something? Like, yeah, yes good recovery sir he's yeah. like shut it will i love that i love it it's, it's so, so funny because you, so I, 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 I'm sure this isn't true, but it's you could almost imagine them writing the dialogue for themselves. Yes. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> it, but it does remind me a bit of the of Wrath, right? Like with Seven or with the Savic, you know, taking of course, the yeah. Enterprise out, and it's kind of like, you want a tranquilizer? No, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, people have commented a lot about how many impulse engines the Titan has. It's like a hmm. a lot, and uh, this was apparently intentional um that it's supposed to be like it's just like really maneuverable um so if anybody's like why is why is this thing able to make such tight turns and it's like well that's why i love Uh, the design i think it looks great i think it's it's a it's a big big improvement on um and it's nice that it's kind of visually distinct i mean you can tell the difference between it and the other ships yeah yeah that's all dave yeah i know terry's a big part of that but dave blast is the production designer on season two and three of Picard and he was behind the big fleet in season two with the Stargazer and making sure that all those ships felt um, they pulled a lot of ships from Star Trek online actually to hmm. kind of match the um, continuity oh, that's, nice. uh, that's the this is the part that I like um, yeah mm-hmm. uh, yeah I just uh, and I think this is the first time seven gets to say engage um, yeah, I think you're right I think it is yeah yeah um, which of course, you know, Janeway said engage, and Cisco said engage, and Pike said engage in the cage. Mm-hmm. I love, I love, you know, I just, I love this dinner scene a lot. I think it's great, and this guy's just such a dick too. Yep. Picard, it's yep. like if someone brings me a bottle of wine, I'm not going to be like, take, you know, get it out of my face. I mean, <laughs> I don't want your wine. I'd I be think like, that, Thank yeah. You. I mean, uh, the actor here. Um, Todd Staswick, I might be mispronouncing his last name though. He's um, plays a kind of an anti-hero villain named Deacon yeah. in Twelve Monkeys, um, who is someone you hate at the beginning of Twelve Monkeys, and then by the end of the show you love. Yeah, and I think there is a similar arc um, <laughs> um, in story. I don't love him yet. But... <laughs> I'm not well, sure I, love, I, but I'm just saying that there. I think that yeah, um, he's yeah, not maybe. the uh, what? What's his name from? Star Trek Three. He's I wouldn't. Uh, Esteban, Captain, Captain Styles. Oh, Captain Styles. Uh, kind of just like the dick for the sake of being a dick kind of character. I think this guy has a lot more going on uh, for him. Whenever and, I use a nail file, I always am like, "How do you have a yellow alert in space, Doc?" Um, <laughs> 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 well, I, what I like about this character, Liam Shaw, is that he is realistic, though. That yeah. he mm-hmm. wouldn't be like there would be people in Starfleet that would hate the Enterprise crew in a way that was yeah. really realistic where they're just like, Oh yeah. Like a re- normal, normal day for you boys, just crashing things and mm. breaking rules and endangering people's lives. You know, um, it feels like a workplace drama. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it and, feels and it's nice to see that again, that Starfleet, like a perfectly competent Starfleet officer can be kind of an asshole. I mean, we weren't allowed to write assholes on Voyager. You know, mm, everybody yeah. had to be all evolved in the future, and that they everybody gets along with each other. And uh, you know, I would have loved to write a character like this. Yeah, yeah, and and I feel like that even in those in that in that era, Lisa, it would have ended up being like the captain on love, like the equinox, right? 
who is right, like right. murdering people. Exactly. It would always like, <laughs> always go like. Guy. I think that what's great about Liam Shaw is that he's not a bad person. Right. You know, he's not like, because in, in The Next Generation, people be like, oh, this admiral's probably got a parasite in his brain, you know, or <laughs> <Yeah>. something, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, as the season goes on, I think you get, um, yeah, but I don't know. I think there's something great because he kind of like the loosey goosiness, he kind of humors them a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and sort of just like, like he almost like he's like been waiting to have this confrontation with these kinds of guys. <laughs> he's just kind of like, he's kind of screwing with them here. It's such a weird scene. I love it. Yeah. I love it too. Cause you know, you expect it. We've seen it work so many times, right? Like, yeah. Oh, we got to, we got to, you know, divert a, a standard inspection and, you know, to do our real mission or whatever. And it's uh, and it's fun to see it just completely get subverted here by a yeah, guy just... who is in the right to be like, no, we're not going to do that. That's ridiculous. Why would, you know, that's against our and, orders. And I like a simple to... answer is just no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No explanation, yeah. no justification, just nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Picard looks so baffled. He's like, he but but Which I love this too again. It's just like you're you're Picard isn't winning in every scene. Yeah. Uh, he he loses quite a bit, which I think is is fantastic for a larger story arc mm-hmm. of the show. Um Because they're both retired. I mean, they're both retired. Like they have no real rank anymore. They have no power. Right. Riker, have no power. Even, yeah. even Riker doesn't have any real power. Yeah. Um, their their power is, which gets a little dicey in the episode two. Um, in terms sure. of how much respect and power Picard has, what he mm-hmm. what he can and can't do. Um, but I think that, yeah, it's kind of the opposite, right? Of of like if Decker had just not let. Kirk take command of the right. Enterprise in the motion yeah. picture or something yeah. like that. <laughs> you know, it's just like no, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if like Kirk had been like, like Kirk now, <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. like William Shatner now, yeah. um, you know. Um, but yeah, I also like this too because it like it puts um, Seven and and it makes Seven and Picard closer. I think, it and you realize that like that it's sort of she becomes a character from this show. You yeah, know, yeah. because she's been on this show for two seasons, and so you're like, right, she's a character from Voyager, but her relationship, you couldn't have done this with a different character, I think, is what I'm yeah. saying. Right. Yeah. Like, if they had a TNG character here or something, it's like it needed to be a character that we've seen on Picard for two seasons mm-hmm. with him as this kind of constantly asking people to do these ridiculous missions. Mm-hmm. This is the second, third time now she's going to be dealing <laughs> with some out, outrageous mission for a retired over the hill Picard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I love, uh, but I also love how she's not immediately, as I think in some ways she was in the previous two seasons. She's not immediately on board, like she's not immediately like, "Great, Picard, you asked me something, I'm gonna do it." And uh, it, it it it's a bit more of a struggle for her. And um, what was I gonna say? I had something. Anyway, I lost. Well, it. she calls them out. She says, "You know, she calls them out." Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like you know, what is this inspection bullshit? What's really going yeah. on? Yeah. Um. Oh, oh no! I remember what I was going to say. I love the idea too that like Riker has no idea who she is, which right. I I love yeah. that because again, the world in in Picard or in other I mean in every franchise I guess after a while it starts to feel kind of small because like everybody knows everybody and you know it just yeah. becomes this tight little family and and so I love this subtle thing of just like oh yeah Riker why would he know Seven? yeah and and, <laughs> and, and and Picard doesn't know Shaw. Um, I even yep. like even even that he says I don't know him, 
know what I mean? Why would he? You know what I mean? Like it's a very big organization and he also is not involved anymore. Janeway presumably is still working um, for Starfleet. They reference that later in the show. She's presumably still active um, admiral, vice admiral, I think. Um, But, um, you know, Picard's been retired doing like, you know, you know, rogue detective missions and going back in time and trying to ruin the timeline with Q. You know, he has not been. <laughs> you yeah, know, he little, not, little things, little things. <laughs> yeah, he's not really aware of. And so there's a nice line there too, where where Shaw says that he's been working for five years, and it's sort of like he's. We find out later. This is not a huge spoiler, I don't think. I guess it is actually. Shaw's background makes him sort of like uniquely suited to have overseen the refit of the Titan. Mm-hmm. We find out what his background is in Starfleet, and it's not command. Mm. um and i think that that's also sort of sort of nice yeah, yeah. rafi's storyline here uh everybody who um, has not seen episode two of picard um her handler the person she's talking to via maybe like... we shouldn't say it I, no i'm not gonna say know. who it is yeah. i'm just gonna okay. say <laughs> i'm not gonna say who it is i'm just gonna say that we do find out who she's talking okay to. okay that's all i was gonna say yes. okay not, um... not in this episode though <laughs> uh but it's fun. At, at first, I actually thought it was a robot. Like, I thought it was like an... Uh, me too. Uh, me too, yeah. 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 Um, and that it was like some, I don't know, maybe they tie it in with like some larger, like, I don't know, whatever, yeah. Borg plot or some, you know, like some some nefarious uh, AI. Having seen it uh, many times and knowing who it is, you actually can go back and kind of figure it out based, sure. on, yeah. the, based, based on the way that the text is written. You're like, oh, yeah. who talks like this? Yeah. Um, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, the red lady that she's searching for. Um, there's like a huge Easter egg coming up in that scene, is, which I'll yeah. save. Yeah. It's um, funny when when they were first introduced the red lady. I was positive they were talking about Beverly Crusher. I know, sure. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Of course, yeah, of course. That makes sense. Yeah. Even though oh, she this doesn't is, have red hair anymore. Uh, them being in the bunks is so hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. it's great. I love yes, this. This is a riot. It's I love great. this. And Riker's I wish so this. I, I wish this scene lasted longer. Actually, <laughs> it's really short. <laughs> they get called out of the bugs really quick, but it also reminds yeah. me of Star Trek Six a little bit. You know, where yeah. like Bones and Kirk are like in their beds on the and it's like, how, how did we get in this? You know, two days, two nights, Kobayashi Maru. You know, like it reminds <laughs> yeah. me a bit of that. Um, yeah. But mm. but I like that at this point, Picard and Riker aren't analogs for any of the other characters. They're just who they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're just like they're not. Picard isn't where, where Kirk was in the Wrath of Khan, even though the story beats are similar. Riker is just Riker, you know? <laughs> He's yeah. his own character. Yeah. Um, yeah, this scene is awesome. I think Jerry Ryan is, just kills it in this, this season. Oh, she's great. Yeah. I also love Riker's uh, story arc too. How it's set up that like, yeah, her and Deanna are having some problems. And, yeah. Um, and it kind of calls back to that notion too of like, these people can't really be domestic. Like they, they kind of mm-hmm. are called to the stars. They're called to adventure and mm-hmm. uh, they just can't not do it. You know? And I, I really like that. Yeah. So two things that, that I do like that this is like where Riker's like, don't talk to Picard like that way. And she's like, that's how I talk to a friend. And I like yeah. that because her relationship with him is totally different. Yeah. She has a relationship with him that she looks up to him like a dad. Yeah. But also as someone who is like, they've been through weird, weird things together. Mm-hmm. And they have the Borg thing, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, in terms of family and, and domesticity, Peter, I agree with you. But I also say, being a parent myself, that um, I never imagined I would see a version of like 
the DS9 Voyager next gen era in which every single character is a parent. Yeah. Sure. Uh, like yeah. all like yeah. Jordy is a parent, you know, like yeah. you know that already. Um, mm-hmm. We already know Worf's a parent. Worf and Beverly were the only people in the next generation who were parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's a great point. You know, but um, yeah, just the idea that Will um, and what he's dealing with is something that, you know, people go through rough patches as well. Like that's, that's very true. realistic, very yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, especially um, like being married to an empath who knows what you're feeling at all times. I mean, yeah, that, that's got to be tricky. <laughs> being married to a jazz aficionado. <laughs> um, can you imagine? Also like, a challenge. Yes. Also a huge challenge. Yeah. Um, I do like this with where Picard tells Seven that he, he never really figured out how to follow bad orders. Mm-hmm. because like you get this thing in the 90s where it was always like oh Picard's the rule follower and Kirk was this renegade but if you really mm-hmm. drill down and watch the next generation there's always some admiral showing up being like Picard what did you do yeah <laughs> like you let data do that you let you did what with the with that lone Borg you like yeah. you did you know he's just such a idealist that he um he has a lot of he's a real renegade but you don't think of him that way no you know and these effects are just beautiful Ryan, when you first watched the show back in October, were, were all the effects finished? Yeah, it looked just oh, like wow. this. It looked great. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Yeah, The first four. Yeah, I think that they kind of like have been, I think that, I don't know, but I feel like that the show has been done for a while and that I just think it was a matter of them not wanting to rush it out at the end of last year after, you know, have, then you would have had two seasons of Picard in the same year. And then I think right. that also Strange New Worlds was, you know, they wanted right, to sure, you know, sure. have yeah. cartoons and stuff for the latter half of the year. So, yeah. Well, and, and like the Netflix model, they maybe just had to deal with like legal stuff just to release it all in multiple countries at the same time. This feels yeah. very Captain Styles in Star Trek 3 to me, Peter. Does, yeah, <laughs> How do you have a yellow like alert in Space Dock? Yeah. I just love the idea that you'd wake up and like look out your window and be like, this isn't the type part of space we're supposed to be in. I'm so yeah. pissed. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, he knows immediately what happened. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Now I will I... say all... Go ahead. No, no, please, please. Go I was going to say, I will say all these background crew members do get a lot more screen time as the uh, season goes on, which is mm-hmm. something I did not expect, but it is the case. Yeah. Um, and I, I really appreciate the... Um... For, for me personally, I, I haven't been too in love with kind of the metal ship design of the interiors, yeah. you know? I love the 90s, you know, soft colors, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. But, like, I what I like about this season is they really brighten up the background just through, like, monitor lighting and, you know, blue colors as we see here. And, and I like that. I was like, that's a nice. It, you don't have to, re, you know, you don't have to justify, like, completely reinventing everything that's yeah. been done previously. Right. But just subtle things to, to help out. Uh, I like that. I think it's like the Wrath of Khan, though, right? Like where Nick Meyer basically used those motion picture sets and was just like yeah. lit them differently, and we're just exactly. like, well, whatever. We don't have that big of a budget, guys. We're just gonna. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't. You're not. You're not like, wow, the set of the uh, Wrath of Khan Enterprise is so great. It's not that yeah. great. Yeah. It's just lit. It's just lit really well, and like the mm-hmm. it's filmed really well. You know. Yeah. It's not like the greatest Enterprise bridge set ever or anything. And I think that's. I, I I do like the Titan bridge though. I think it's really cool. It is. Yeah. yeah. It is, and but it is ironic to your point that it's the same bridge as the motion picture and uh, well and this was the stargazer from the previous season right this is just Mm -hmm. the stargazer set kind of changed around a little bit um 
So there's an Easter egg on Rafi's screen when she looks at a lot of things. There's like, oh yeah, there's a gratitude festival, Heldor Joy mm-hmm. from Deep Space Nine. Um, mm-hmm. But she also, there is, you see a picture of the Enterprise F over there. And if you zoom in, it says the Enterprise F is being decommissioned early. Oh, um, interesting. And that the other thing is actually the Voyager B over there. Obviously the oh. big thing is the Rachel Garrett statue, which is yeah. she's the captain of the Enterprise C. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of junk crammed into that uh, scene but i think we are gonna see we've been told we'll see the enterprise uh um f in this season oh yeah i think i mean it's in one of the trailers shown in the trailer yeah 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 yeah. leading a a fleet of uh i i do like the outside design of la serena uh rios's ship from season one and i do like that it's kind of become the millennium falcon of picard yeah um i don't love like the interior set but i love the way it looks on the outside yeah, I agree. Um, and I love that way that it, like Rafi was like flying in low to this like um, recruitment base or whatever. It just like felt very like kind of Star Warsy. Yeah, yeah. And in a good way. Coming up here is a really good effect. I thought this was really effective. Yeah. Th- this whole sequence. It, it does a great job, I think, of setting up a good mystery for the season. It's not the only mystery we're going to see in the season, and yet it still does a great job of hooking you. Um, I mean, it's it's such a sci-fi. It's such a sci-fi disaster, yeah. Yeah. you know. That's a good way uh, of putting it. At least I hadn't thought that. Like, it feels original, but it also feels like familiar. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we we realize what's happening, but we've never seen it happen quite that way before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a bit of a callback, even to Enterprise, isn't it? You know, the idea of like a terrorist attack on like the Zindi or whatever. Yeah. 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 Which Terry Metalis worked on um, exactly. that show yeah. um, and Voyager. Did you ever cross past this him on Voyager, Lisa? Or no? I never did. Yeah. Big. It's a big Starfleet, right? Not everybody it is. knows everybody. <laughs> you don't know all the admirals, no. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. Or 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 captains or dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah, this episode is so fast. Like, I'm just realizing now. Remember, I said it was like slow pace, but like now, like it's almost over, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe that this is the ending of this episode. Yeah. Because I I because I, I I know that they were screening the first two at some of the premieres and stuff. Mm. Um, but I will say the people that like, if they've not, if they're all watching it, you know, I love that Cru- Beverly Crusher's file is like her photo from like the Enterprise D. Yeah. yeah. Like the Starfleet records are like, ah, <laughs> eh, whatever. They're we didn't update her photo. Yeah. They're, a bit, they're a bit outdated. It's <laughs> like, like that, a Facebook profile pic. You know, we all pick the one I was just going to say, we all do that. <laughs> they, ha- they do it later in the season though with Riker in, in one of the later episodes. There's a similar thing where a data file is called up and it's like a publicity shot from like like first contact or something yep. Um, yep. oh i love this he's like where they're like both feeling old they're like as long as we don't have to move or shoot yes <laughs> i love that <laughs> you know this episode definitely has has like a sort of a, a dry sense of humor it does uh that i think that we didn't always see actually in, in next generation even um, yeah i think it, yeah. it feels kind of a little looser almost yeah. Well, even here where he calls him captain on accident and Picard's mm. kind of like annoyed or whatever, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, which happens like, multiple times this season, actually. But um, I, I agree with you, Lisa. I wonder it's almost like this is like the Riker and Picard that we got after Picard started playing poker with the crew. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. After Picard started rolling up with like android children in Riker's house, <laughs> <laughs> asking to crash on his couch. <laughs> yeah. I love like this little line here coming up. One. 
I love this little line here coming up where they, for anyone who's wondering like how Crusher could just be killing people left and right, they do kind of nod, do a little nod to that, that like, uh, it's not in her character just to be firing that, you know, full, full phaser fire. And yet right. things must've been real serious if, if she's going to be thrown down like that. Yeah. Which I appreciated that little, that little yeah. Note. Well, it's kind of a plug for my own short story. I, I wrote a Beverly Crusher short story for Star Trek Explorer magazine that also had her with a phaser, like dealing with aliens, because it seemed like it was so out of character for her. Yeah. Uh, and I like that, like you said, that they kind of acknowledge here that this is really not typical for her, and it's got to yeah. be pretty bad if she's going to take up a laser rifle. Yeah. It's got to be a reason. Yeah, Lisa, I loved that story, by the way. I, I, oh, thank you. I was so happy when I saw it. Um... Yeah, it was fun to write. Cool, Cool art for it, too. Yes, it was very cool. Art. Yes, yeah, it was really good. Cool Her in the spacesuit, like the yeah. cool sp spacesuit and stuff. I, I did this pod reminded me of the neutral zone when they found those like <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the the sort of like cowboy gambler and like the yeah. sort of like uh, um, uh, corporate finance guy. Yeah, like in, uh... <laughs> I just rewatched that one recently, and like it's great, but also it's like it just makes no sense it's so we like can't say this character we can't say this character's name yet right because we don't know his name in this episode i don't believe yeah this guy you also recognize from downton abbey or outlander um very very prolific actor yeah um yeah. yeah i am did a little profile of him uh nice. that comes out in two weeks for esquire um oh yeah talk to him yeah. for a yeah i got to sit down with him for a little while he was he's just great um, I think people can kind of figure out who this person is, though. I don't think maybe, it's that. Maybe, maybe. This is a very. Right. I, I'll yeah. just say that this scene reminds me a lot of uh, the scene in the Wrath of Khan, uh, where Kirk fights uh, somebody, and uh, that person goes, "I'm Doctor Marcus." Yeah. Um, because he, you know, who is this? Oh, her son. You know, he says her son. Uh, so right. You know, it's, uh, I'm Doctor Marcus. Um, <laughs> and Riker knows what he's thinking. And uh, but yeah, knows he, that Riker knows what he's thinking. <laughs> he is now. Uh, Ed did tell me that he is now. Um, he talked to Will Wheaton about this. That he he is because he's also Beverly Crusher's son. That he is um, half brothers with Wesley Crusher. Yeah. There we go. Cyborg style. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the reverse, though. Um, yeah, I was kind of half expecting somebody to go. I mean, her other son. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's if I don't know if we get a Wesley reference this season. I can't remember. We, I think we do. Um, yeah. In, a, in an episode where where Beverly's kind of uh, well, I guess maybe we shouldn't talk about it. But yeah, I, maybe I think not. we do. And uh, it's 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 powerful. It, it's, it's so it's so, I keep forgetting that this episode actually doesn't even reveal the central villain who is not a secret, played by Amanda Plummer, um, mm -hmm. yeah, who is in Back. the rest of the season, um, who's been teased on trailers and panels. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting we actually don't see her in this episode. We just see the ship. It's a great ship design um, too. I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I I love how I also love just like you're like oh my god how tiny. Yeah. We should definitely do the credits here, Peter, because there's a lot of sure. things in the credits. Um. I'm sure you know this. Yeah, because um, this uh, is it. We're at the end of the episode now. It's somehow, just, yeah, it's yeah, such man. a fast episode. It's so it great. Really is. So they obviously use the Jerry Goldsmith uh, music from First Contact. Um, mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's true of the top of the episode. But yeah, there's a lot of things. They've been doing this in, in the shows since Discovery, actually, where there's a lot of Easter eggs in the credits mm. that are foreshadowing for future episodes. Interesting. Um, so I will just say that, um, and you know this too, Lisa, having seen through episode six, that there's even some stuff there that you would think is just like a silly little easter egg that's actually not (laughs) that's actually very very foreshadowing um and uh it's really interesting like i didn't i think it hit me around episode four where i was like oh my god every single thing in the credits matters yeah um everything the only thing i think doesn't matter is at the end there's like picard's uh picard uh alpha tango like his his like his really easy um password to remember that oh, blows yeah. up the Enterprise yeah, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he uses it for everything. Yeah. Um, but I think that's maybe the only one that's not like. But everything else is pretty, um, you know, we know what the Titan is and stuff. But everything here in the credits is... Um... And yeah, doing the cast and the ending credits also, they haven't done for the, this series at all um, until now. Yeah. Um, Interesting. They've always yeah, had... For all, a, for all the diehard fans... I'm sure they're they're searching the credits for as much information as I can get. Oh, we should also say that Stephen Barton is the composer for this season, who is not the Star Trek composer they've been using. Jeff Russo has been doing most of the music until Strange New Worlds um, and Prodigy. But um, Jeff Russo did the first two seasons of Picard. Uh, Stephen Barton was brought on by Terry Metalis, who was his composer on 12 Monkeys. And I believe the only Star Trek composer who's also worked on Star Wars, because he really? has done Star Wars video games. Mm. um steven barton uh did jedi fallen order i believe so um, i think that's yeah so he's a composer that i think that may be the first composer they've had that's done that interesting wow well that was very cool i um i uh it feels very much like terry metallis has kind of just been given a free hand this whole season and uh you know and i i really like that a lot you're getting a very strong i think confident kind of voice from even just the episodes i've seen um, who knows? Maybe behind the scenes, it's a lot different, but um, it feels very uh, cohesive and strong. Uh, and he seems to be having fun with the the legacy characters, yes. yeah. you know, trying to twist them in different ways. And I didn't, you did not know this about them, did you? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, but in ways that still feel very true to the characters as well. Yes. Um, this season feels very much like. Uh, I mean, it's been said before, but I think it very much feels like TNG season eight. Like. Uh, oh yeah. It's, um, and I think it's worth pointing out too, if, if you're out there, um, you're on the fence about Picard, maybe you didn't like season one or whatever, um, you don't really have to watch anything that came before, in my opinion, to, to, to jump into this season and uh, really enjoy yourself. Um, yeah, I would so agree with that. Yeah, you... I think that you're okay. I mean, I think that there are some things later in the season that um, you know are, are set up in season one that are really paid off in a way that you're like, Oh, I didn't know that that happened to Picard. I was a little confused about Picard's uh, sort of status quo. Yeah. Um, like why he is the way he is. Um, you know, the season, I would just say the season one finale of Picard season one may be really important. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. There's some stuff uh, midway through the season where you're like, Oh, uh, I didn't realize they were going to bring that back. um (laughs) and it's really it's like uh it's that's what i keep saying when i'm like yeah it is like tng season eight it is like a sequel to the voyager ds9 era it is like a real true sequel to nemesis um but it's also like not what people expect and i think that's in a good way like in a good way i think that um in the way that undiscovered country wasn't what we expected in 1991 Mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't really think that was what that was going to be like, you know, not in yeah. a bad way, but just in like kind of like a, 
I don't know, Lisa, like you said, like a really character driven way. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree. I think when you start watching each episode, you kind of feel like, oh, this is what the show's going to be. And then yeah. they pivot. And it's like, oh my God, I did not expect that in a very purposeful, uh, positive kind of way. And, and the show just keeps challenging you um, throughout the season. And um, I, I personally am looking forward to talking about uh, every episode. We should talk so, about episode yeah. six. We should do an, a special, I will say that. I don't know, Lisa, if you agree. Yeah, yeah I, I, I do. I agree. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot in that one that we can chat about. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the, all the episodes, I agree with you, are really great. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. Well, um, I, I, for one, am, am looking forward to that. Uh, Star Trek Picard Season 3 premieres on February 16th, which will hopefully be the day we release this. Um, and then it's weekly after that. So it's one episode per week, I believe. Um, and so episode six will be sometime in uh, late March, maybe That's early right. April, something like that. <laughs> yeah, late March. Um, and uh, there's a lot to look forward to. I think it's already been announced that Jonathan Frakes is going to be directing some episodes, which are uh, fantastic. Um, I mean, he's directed previously for Discovery and other shows as well, but it's uh, it's fun to see him behind the sub TNG cast again. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, yeah, I mean, guys, this is this is the real deal, as far as I'm concerned. I uh, I didn't I didn't go into it expecting to love it as much as I have, and I've been uh, so so uh, surprised and 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 so um, happy. That's yeah, <laughs> very satisfying. Very um, uh, uh, Ryan, what's uh, what's what's new in your life? What do you got looking forward to? What's, uh, what's yeah? Going? I mean, I'm good. I, I like you guys. I'm just going to be kind of uh, talking about this for the next ten weeks. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, I just life is hard. <laughs> yeah, life is hard. Um, yeah, so um, look for my Picard coverage on Inverse and Den of Geek, and uh, helping out with some Screen Crush videos um, and uh, Esquire, uh, talking to the new cast member Ed Spirals uh, about uh, his mystery role. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, and I just uh, got a book about Dune, um, a nonfiction book about Dune coming out um, on September 27th um, from Penguin Random House called The Spice Must Flow, Amazing. Uh, which is about the history of Dune. So I just turned in that uh, manuscript. Um, so yeah, uh, that's what I got going on. I'm looking forward to all those things. That's, that's you know, it's, you got yourself a busy few weeks out of you. But um, yeah, um, and uh, social media plug, where can people find you? um i uh, sorry just have twitter twitter is probably the easiest ryan ryan Seabrit. just awesome yeah well ryan thank you so much for joining us here again this has been an absolute pleasure um hope we can have you back we can uh do another another episode of picard at some point um and uh yeah fans out there definitely check out ryan's work on uh, esquire Den of geek and and all that fun stuff. And also, I, I got to say, your your audio. I just listened to your audiobook, of Phasers on Stunt. Oh, thanks. That was a lot of fun too. It's, uh, cool. It's, uh, nice. Yeah. Fans, fans out there should check that out. It's uh, oh good. It's really yeah. Weird. No, I, that was. Um, I don't know. Recording an audiobook is like a is, is, is <laughs> not not the easiest thing, but I did enjoy it very much. Um, and I'm glad that I'm glad you enjoyed it. I actually do think that's a good way to experience it because the book is very much written in the way that I speak. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like maybe if you're like uh, on the fence about the book, get the audiobook. <laughs> yeah. Um, you'll enjoy it more that way. You'll be like, oh yeah, this is like having a one-sided conversation with this really talkative um, uh, person. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, cool. Well, Lisa, Peter, it's always nice to see you. Um, we'll do this again soon. 
Awesome. Uh, and fans out there, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at uh, Trexperts BR on Twitter, Trexperts Briefing Room on Instagram, where we'll post uh, photos, behind the scenes photos, and uh, uh, discuss upcoming shows. And uh, if you like our show, give us a rate of uh, five stars and uh, check out the other podcasts on the uh, Glorious Trexperts uh, podcast feed, where uh, they're also doing an interview um, releasing on the 16th today uh, with uh, Terry Metalis and Jonathan Frakes. So it's, uh, it's very exciting to, to hear that. Um, you can learn uh, even more behind the scenes stuff from uh, the people who made it. Um, so for Lisa Clink and myself, thanks very much for being here. Until next time, the briefing room is now closed. Scott, what do you repeat what you just told us? About an hour ago, bridge control started going crazy. Levers shifting by themselves, buttons being pushed, instrument readings changing. And on my monitor screen, I can see Mitchell smiling each time it happened. As if his ship and crew were almost a toy for his amusement.